0: So hi, everybody again, and welcome to Tanya in Real Life. We're up to Tanya, Perek, Zion. But what we're going to do today is we're actually going to do Zion and Ches. And next week, we're going to also speed a little bit because I really want to get to the really juicy prakim, the really juicy chapters about how to be a Benini. um, And that I want to try to get that in before Pesach. So here we are. We're going to do Zion and Ches. Very, very, um, as quickly as we can. So we are in the middle of discussing our nefesh Bahamas, our animal self. In the previous parak, in the previous chapter, we defined some very key words. We said that sitra achra is anything that's not on the side of kedusha. It's the other side. Sitra achra, the other side of kedusha. So then, what's kedusha? Kedusha is where Hashem's light is manifest. Where is there Kedusha? What's the invitation? What's the key? What's the door to opening ourselves up to experiencing, to letting in Hashem's light? That is wherever there is Bittel. Anyone or anything that is Bittel, Bittel to Hashem, that is where there is Kedusha. Where there is Bittel, there is Kedusha, meaning wherever there is Bittel, that's where Hashem's light, Hashem's special charged energy is more present. And that's the key to blessings, right? So now we want to know what Bital is. Bital is complete awareness of our dependency on Hashem. And in explaining what Bital is, the Baal Tanya gives us a picture. He points to Malachim, who have complete Bittal. They're always aware of Hashem's presence. And in that state of awareness, they know they have no other agenda. They're here clearly in this world by Hashem, with Hashem, for Hashem. So they have no other agenda of their own they they have nothing of their own that's perfectly clear for for them and every yid has the potential of that level of bittal that utter awareness that we are here in this world by hashem's power with hashem's loving presence and for a purpose that is you know for hashem to to, to express that truth to express hashem's truth wherever we are and whatever we're doing now the opposite of Bittu, we understand more of what Bittu is, when the Balatanya says what well, the opposite of Bittu is, is that when we think we're, we're in a state of not Bittu, when we think that we are a self-sufficient entity independent of Hashem. So anything that presents itself as separate or independent from Hashem is the opposite of Bittu. Now w- we started using, I'm not sure if we spoke about this last week, but um, we definitely spoke about it before, just to make it more simple um, to understand, what we to, to reference um, when we're going to talk about bittul, being in a state of bittul. Let's bittul is that state of perfect absolute, not perfect, but awareness of Hashem, awareness of our self as dependent on Hashem. So I'm going to call a state of bittul true self because that is the truth about who we are. That is the truth about ourselves that we are utterly dependent on Hashem, we're powered by Hashem and we're here for Hashem, with Hashem. Um, And that, so that's, so I'm gonna call Bittel, true self. And the opposite of Bittel is gonna be, I'm gonna call it ego, because that to me is a definition as the Baal Tanya says very, very clearly, um, when we think that we are a self-sufficient entity, that's ego, ego is the invention, our created version of ourselves when we are not fully connected and aware of our true self. So anything that presents itself as separate from Hashem or a space in our lives and our minds and our hearts that is unaware of our dependence on Hashem, that is our ego. By contrast, wherever we are um, aware of Hashem's presence, that's our true self. That's our neshama shining forth. That's our awareness of Hashem or our beto. Now, when we're aware of Hashem's presence, our behaviors are gonna flow from that awareness. Our choices are gonna reflect that awareness. And when we do that, we are receiving energy, we're receiving life-giving force, vitality, directly from Hashem, in a direct way. And when we lose sight of our awareness, we learned this also in Last paragraph, when we lose sight of our dependence on Hashem, when that happens, when we see ourselves as, as self-sufficient beings, and our behaviors flow from that place of non-awareness, that's when we experience, we received Hashem's highest in a backhanded sort of way. And this has really played itself out um, in history many, many times. We're coming soon, we're a month, we're less than a month away to Purim. And in Purim, the Gemara tells us that, you know, B'nai Yisrael, why were they deserving of such a, such a terrible gezerah? Because they um because they enjoyed Akashvayosha's Suda. And the question is obvious: like the punishment doesn't match the crime. Like what you you went to a Suda, so you deserve to die? Okay, maybe we 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 need to repair that, we need to correct it, we need to become aware of our mistake, we need to, you know, we need to reconnect. We need to um, understand that that wasn't the right thing to do, but death of men, women, and children, young, old, it, it, it seems incongruous with, the, with what we did wrong. And, um, and Hasidus explains that it wasn't, we're not talking about a punishment here, but a natural state of being. When we are in a state of dependence on Hashem, when we are aware of Hashem's power, when we are aware of our complete dependence on on his blessings and on his goodness and kindness and his presence in our lives, we invite his blessings. That's the doorway to opening his blessings. And by contrast, when we take on this idea that we are self-sufficient, I don't need you, Hashem, you know? You know that famous joke of the guy who's looking for a parking and he's having such a hard time finding a parking space. And then he's like, God, if you find me a spot I will donate $50 to charity today. And as he finishes his prayer, a parking spot opens up and he turns up, he waves his hand up and says, "Never mind, God, I found a place on my own," you know? But so that's a joke. But when we have this illusion, when we but the the joke is it's it's a joke, but really the kernel of truth in that joke, like every joke has a kernel of truth and that's what makes it funny, is that we all buy into that illusion. We have this idea that we sometimes buy into that. We often buy into that. We're doing this on our own. We're, we're on our own in this world. So when when, B'nai Yisrael, when the Yidin went to that party, the problem wasn't that they went to the party. The problem was that they enjoyed it, that they felt so privileged and important to be invited by the king. Like now we arrived, now we made it, now we have it in our lives. We are good. With the king we have political correction co- political connections in place we're all set to have the good life and, and in a certain sense that attitude that feeling stemmed from the belief that Achashverosh had true power in their lives and that was a step away from the complete dependence on hashem and it was that it was not the act just the act of going to the Suuda, going to the the feast it was the notion that we are dependent on someone other than Hashem. And that is the root of all our misery and the dysfunction and the chaos and the suffering um, in our lives. Okay, now nobody should take this to mean that if I have pain in my life, it means that I am not good enough in my uh, trust in Hashem. It's just that don't take that to mean because in today's world, everything is so mixed up and chaotic and we have no idea Hashem's plan or Hashem's reasoning and such good people have such terrible painful situations it's not our place to judge ourselves or anyone based on the blessings that we have or the blessings that we do not have in our lives at the same time all opening the doorways opening our hearts to really leaning on Hashem is definitely a good way to, it's a key to opening up a storehouse of blessings in our lives. Okay, so that was all last parak. Now in this parak, in this chapter, the Balatanya describes a spectrum of, because last time he was like t- telling us that there is Bito, there's Kedusha, and then there's the opposite of that, right? Now we're gonna say that within Kedusha and within Klippa, there's actually a spectrum beginning from the center. And if you look at the notes, I put this a little bit on a chart in like three boxes. The one in the middle, this one on the right says Kedusha. The translation of the word Kedusha, we translate this to mean holiness. But I want to make a a very strong point. When the is telling us Kedusha means holiness, he doesn't mean how hard somebody shuckles or sways when they daven. He doesn't mean how big or beautiful the person's esrig is, or how long the person's skirt is, or what, kedusha means one thing. Holiness means one thing. It means anything that clearly expresses Hashem's truth, and is not an expression of somebody's ego, okay? Now, then we have klipas Klipa means a shell. A shell means something that's concealing Hashem's presence, concealing Hashem's exposure, right? Um, And noiga, the word noiga means to shine. So klipas noiga is anything that conceals Hashem's presence. It doesn't necessarily reflect, doesn't reflect Hashem's truth. It's not an expression of Hashem's truth, but it has the potential to express Hashem's truth. For example, if I have a cup of water, the cup of water in itself doesn't scream, hey, God is true. Hashem is true. He's the one who created all the water in the world. No, it's just water. It says, "I exist. I am here." And in presenting itself as an existence on its own, that is the definition of klipa, the the illusion or the assumption that this exists on its own. So water on its own is klipa, but it's klipa naya because it has the potential to be elevated to a state of kedusha because when we make a bracha on that cup of water, or when we drink that water with the intention to be refreshed so that we will better be able to serve Hashem, we have now, that water became an expression of Hashem's truth, of Hashem's MS. And then we have further left on the spectrum. We have certain things in this world. And, and by the way, klipas naiga is most of the world. Most of the activities that we are engaged in, most of the things that we, you know, encounter, look around your room, look around your house, most things or most activities in your day are, are klipas negra. And we'll talk more about that in a minute, but by contrast, klipas, gimo klipas Klepas klipas still means a shell, but temeas is translated as impure and it doesn't mean that it's dirty it doesn't mean that it didn't wash negavaser it doesn't mean that you know it was dipped in sand or you know people have very interesting definitions of what impure means in the context of our discussion impure means anything that conceals hashem's truth and it's completely impure when it has no potential hashem did not give it the potential to express hashem's truth this understanding, these, this word gives us a deeper understanding, deeper insight into the expressions that we use, the terminology that we use in halacha, we use the word mutter and usser to express what is permissible and what is not permissible. Really the word mutter means untied, where usser means bound. Anything that, and why do we say the word mutter, like it's, it's unbound, it's, it's untied, because because the fact that it's untied means that it, it's possible. It, it's hiding Hashem, but it's not tied down to that state of hiddenness. It has the potential to be elevated to a state of Kedusha by being used um, for Kedusha, for Hashem's, to express Hashem's presence, Hashem's truth. Um, by contrast, usur means it's tied up, it's bound. That means no matter what you do to it, no matter how many times you you know, you could may have the perfect shechita knife and shech that animal exactly according to Allah. but if it's if it's not a kosher animal, it's not kosher, okay? It's not, you can't, there's nothing that you could do to untie that, to liberate that hiddenness from its state of hiddenness. And it will always be a concealment of Hashem's truth until Mashiach comes when um when there will be no more of Hashem's hiddenness in the world at all. Okay so um, the gray in the middle is is the middle is the middle ground and it's most of our lives, most of the opportunities that we have, most of the activities that we do. in the Baal Tanya's words, um, the gray center that is is he this is the middle ground, the intermediary between the, Concealment of Hashem that cannot be elevated. It's completely concealed. And the state of, and, and and things, objects or people or activities that are completely, complete expressions of Hashem's presence. Now, most of what we do all day and most of the things we are engaged in in our lives are going to be in the category of Klipas nega. So the question is, um, what happens with Klippasnaiga? What actually, what, what actually happens when we use something or when we engage in an activity? Whenever we use Klippasnaiga objects or engage in any Klippasnaiga activities, what's going on is that the energy within it always moves. It always moves. There's no such thing as doing something that has no impact. It's so, 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 so mind-boggling if you take a minute to think about it, the power that we have in this world. The unbelievable, the incredible power that we have in this world. It's impossible for you, for me, for any of us to use a physical object and not have an impact on that object. It's impossible for us to engage in activity and for it to be completely unimpactful. It's it's just such an incredible thing if we realize how, how much power hashem places into into our hands whenever we use klipas activities uh, objects or engage in klipas negativities the energy in it is going to be moved by us what's going to move it and and by the way we move along with it because let's say i eat something so that energy is now within me so it impacts me so where do we move it it all depends right that's a typical jewish answer right where does it go it depends It depends on how we have used it or how we have engaged it, how we do it and where we um, how, how we do it determines where we go with it. So if when we're focused on serving Hashem, when we're, when we're aware of Hashem's presence and our actions, our behavior is flowing from that place of awareness, we elevate whatever we're using to a state of Kedusha, which is. Extremely, extremely, extremely powerful. There are so many stories of tzaddikim where you know the Tov went out of his way with his talmidim to go to a specific spring of water because that specific water needed to be elevated to a place of kedusha, needed to for a yid to make a bracha to pronounce Hashem's truth, to say this water exists because Hashem created it. And with that action, with that behavior, with that blessing to elevate that water to a state of Kedusha, to a state of now that water is an expression of Hashem's truth. There are so many um, countless stories of Tzadikim that that focus on that idea. And my favorite children's book, which is actually written by my dear cousin, Esther Fingerer, called The Little Wheat Kernel my favorite children's book, it talks about how a little wheat kernel, you know, how it's planted in the ground and then it grows up and it so badly wants to be used for a mitzvah and it follows the wheat kernel on its little journey as it's made into flour and then it's made into a product and how it's so satisfied and delighted and its dream comes true when somebody makes a blessing on it, when somebody makes a bracha, mina are, it's how the little wheat kernel is so... Happy and I love that story because it. Um, I always think about it and I tell it to my children in a hundred different ways, you know, because it's such an important. Because um, we have that power to the whole world, all of creation depends on us to elevate it to a state where it clearly demonstrates Hashem's presence, and we know that when the whole world, when Hashem's presence will be expressed in the whole world, that's the state of so every time we do that we are bringing Mashiach closer for the, for ourselves for the whole world okay that was a sales pitch for being conscious of Hashem especially when we eat which is such a common um, a common thing in all of these activities that we do eating sleeping dancing exercising working cooking whatever we're doing we are either contributing to the exposure of Hashem's light in the world or we are adding to the concealment there's no nothing benign about our action we're either I always say it like this we're part of this problem or part of the solution we're part of the solution of geula or we're part of the problem called Gaulus. we're either adding to Hashem's light or adding to Hashem's concealment and so when we look around the world there's so many gray areas there's so many undefined objects, or there are so many objects and behaviors and activities, you look at the day ahead. It's all open to definition. Every minute of your day is open to being defined. It's open to being defined by you. It's either going to be defined as, so it's open. It's, it's not defined. It's, it's, it's limitless in its possibilities, right? And yet, when it comes to our behavior, there's no gray every behavior is either going to be black or white. And I know that sounds harsh. We're going to talk about that harshness in a minute. But we are always either in a state of bittal or in a state of ego. We're always aware of Hashem's uh, our dependence on Hashem or we're not aware of our dependence on Hashem. And in our non-awareness of our dependence on Hashem, we're, we're dependent on ourselves. We're dependent on our egos. We're dependent on other people who we think, right? That's all comes back to our Ego depending on other people who we think have the powers also our ego. Okay. So when we're in a state of bittul, we're drawing down Hashem's light around ourselves and into the world. And when we're in a state of ego, we're adding to the concealment of Hashem. We're concealing Hashem's light from ourselves. We're getting stuck in more unawareness and we're adding a layer of concealment um, that blocks our own consciousness of Hashem and in the world. So So that's a very, um, that that might sound very harsh and um, intimidating because, um, and overwhelming, right? Because, you know, to think that every one of my actions has an impact that's so, of such magnitude is pretty scary. But I wanna, let's talk about this. It it, it also offers clarity. And I, I feel that clarity is the biggest blessing when it comes to emotional wellness. I'll tell you why because no person finds themselves one day lost in a forest. Nobody wakes up, they were sleeping in their bed at night and suddenly they're lost in a forest. By the same token, nobody wakes up in the morning and is suddenly in full blown ego, okay? In full unawareness of Hashem's presence. It doesn't happen like that. The state of being lost always begins with one step in the opposite direction of where we wanna go, always. It's always that way. We, we don't, you know, you're on a path, you're on a hiking trip. And the minute we take that first step off the beaten trail, off the trail that's clearly marked and labeled and defined, the minute we take a step off, we are already lost. It's just about a matter of time until we're gonna get more lost. But we don't find ourselves lost suddenly hours away from civilization it all begins with one step and why do we take that step what makes us take that step off the path it there's only one reason why we take that step it's because we think it doesn't matter it's because we think it won't impact us it doesn't really make a difference what is the value of one moment of one choice of one step in in a new direction in a direction that I don't, I'm not sure I really want to go in, right? Um, one step always leads to another, but we think that it doesn't really matter. And in the analogy, it's the same thing. We don't feel distant from our all of a sudden one day. We feel distant one step at a time, right? We do We do one little, you know, if it would be open to, if we, if there would be like, okay, you have to do 50, 50, quote, unquote, um act of unawareness in order to feel the impact you know i personally would do the 50 right and and we would lose count it's so helpful to know just stay in a state of consciousness stay as much as possible in a state of consciousness because we are always one step in the in out of consciousness is is just as impactful as 20 in a certain sense because it's you're either aware of Hashem or you're not aware of Hashem. You're either in the light or you're in the dark. You're either bringing Mashiach or you're perpetuating the gullus. It's it's um, there's no in between. Yes, there's our whole day is up to us to define. It's open. It's all gray. There's no colors. It's every you know. It has the potential for any color on the rainbow, but our every action does have a color every action that we do does have a definition it's either an extension a reflection or an expression of our bittle or a reflection of our ego um and by the way just want to share on a personal level i learned this um a week or two ago i was reviewing it and it inspired me to stop reading the news because i realized that my reading the news is not benign it really makes me feel connected with the fearsome reality of politics, of all that fakeness and all that stuff that's going on, it really made me feel connected, and um, and so I I stopped reading it um, at all. I don't and I and and I'm not saying this to um, to say anything about myself. I'm saying this because it's such a gift. Um, you know, in the first few days, it was really like I had to really. It was like it was like feeling detoxifying myself. You know. But I know that when I clicked on the news and read the news, it definitely left me feeling unsettled at the pit of my stomach. It left me being impacted by a certain reality that is just not consistent with Hashem's reality. And, um, and that's impossible. Not It's impossible whether the news, and today, obviously, the news is much more, uh, I'll call it colorful, <laughs> or much more fearsome, much more fearsome. But I think this is true with any any news or any um, any activity that is clearly not aligned with Hashem. And this was something where I was able to grow. But if you look at your lives, you look at your life and see where in my life can I express more of Hashem's presence, of Hashem's truth, or where in my life is there something that I'm doing that is... Getting in my way of really being open to Hashem's truth because it's denying Hashem's truth because it's hiding Hashem's truth. Um, I'm, I'm sure we can all <coughs> we can all find something, and um, I know that I keep finding new things every day. And it's just such a blessing because when the more, let's just remember, this is not just about you know if I would be talking to your neshama. I would say, because your neshama wants to shine, because your neshama wants to be expressed, because your neshama is your true self. But I'm not talking to your neshama. I am talking to your animal self right now. I'm telling you that our animal self, our human dimension wants to feel healthy, wants to feel whole, wants to feel happy, wants to feel secure, wants to have courage. We need emotional stability in our lives now more than ever specifically because the world is so chaotic as we get closer and closer to Mashiach the chaos seems to be churning at, with more intensity so we need inner security and inner courage and inner clarity much more than ever and so for that what's our what's our wealth what's our source for all that goodness that we want it's only Hashem the more we value Hashem the more we are aware of Hashem, we'll value Hashem. And the more we value Hashem, the more we will value His presence within us, and the more we can benefit from His presence within us. So, okay, so that was a plug for just to connect that to everything that we've been talking about, emotional wellness. Now, I want to just say that whenever there is something that's, um, that has very a lot of potency in Kedusha, the Yetzirah is going to try to sneak in, and get in our way and use that very thing against us. So when we know that every choice has a major impact, that every choice we do matters, the Yetzirah can use our caring and our commitment and our determination to stay aware of Hashem. He can use that against us. And by that, I mean, you can. I can easily find myself sitting in a puddle of shame because of something that I did, because of behavior that I did, because of an action that I took. Um, And that would be the opposite of what Hashem wants, because we know that famous Hasidic Vard, right? That's Hasidic saying, I think it's from the Kotzka Rebbe or Rebbe Arla Karliner, what depression is not a sin, but what what depression can do, no sin can do, right? Later on in Tanya, the Baal Tanya talks about it as well, that the impact of shame, the worthlessness, the, the, that sense of worthlessness, and the behavior that flows from that sense of shame, and worthlessness and indignity. And, you know, I am such a loser and a failure and a low life, whatever stems from that place is always going to be much worse than the behavior that mistake that got us there in the first place. So that's a Yitzhahara. So thinking about that, I just wanted to Put it out there. Also, sometimes a person might be um, might be struggling with a compulsion to do the right thing. You know, I see a lot of people struggling with guilt. How do I know when it's okay to say no? How do I know when it's okay to say yes? How do I know when I, you know, washed negavasir one time too many, or maybe I washed again because I needed to wash again? Maybe, you know, I didn't daven, I didn't say, you know, maybe I didn't say the bracha achareina, so I'm supposed to say it again. You know what I mean? Um, So how do we really know when we are, and that behavior, that kind of thinking could become extremely self-destructive when we start um, being so fearful of our choices that we kind of become obsessed with it. And, And that obsession could be destructive in and of itself. So here are some keys to differentiate. What does it look like when I am in a state of ego, when you are in a state of ego, Versus when we are in a state of bittle, what does it look like? What are some keys to look out for? And I'm going to share some thoughts and then we could, and then I'll wrap up the parrack and then we'll go back to um, discuss this. Okay. So I thought of three things, three keys that define the difference between being in a state of ego and being in a state of bittle. Okay. So number one is fear. Our neshama is never afraid of being disconnected from Hashem. Our neshama trusts the connection because our neshama is the connection, okay? Our neshama is never afraid of being disconnected from Hashem. Our neshama does not want us to do an Avera, but our neshama is not afraid of being disconnected from Hashem. So any choice we make out of fear, even if it's a holy fear, even if it's a holy fear of not being good enough or not being connected to Hashem enough, any choice that we make out of fear is probably coming from our ego and not from our true consciousness of Hashem's presence in our lives. If it's a choice that's coming from a place of fear, even if it's a health, even if it's a holy fear, because the Yitzhakara makes for some people who are especially sensitive, and I know that many of you are on this call right now, right? Your neshama and I can relate to this because my neshama does this to me too, comes dressed as a holy tzaddik and says, watch out, This, you know, you're not good enough, okay? So even that holy, but any action that we do from the place of fear, even if it's a quote-unquote a holy fear, a fear of, you know, not being good enough or a fear of not being connected enough, chas to Hashem, because we always, always, always are connected, that is... Behavior is coming from our ego and not from our bittle. Because in bittle, we want to do more mitzvahs, but we don't have any fear. We trust Hashem is taking care of us. So if you find yourself feeling, doing an action out of fear, I would suggest, you know, right then and there, that's a state of bittle. Whoops. Don't go. I mean, that's a state of ego. Don't go down that line and do what you what it takes for you to get back into a state of bittle. Um, for every person, what's the path to return to a state of bittal? That I would like to discuss after this, okay? So we have to discuss what's the path to return to a state of bittal. Uh, let me just put it out there quickly because once I put that question in my head, um, and probably in your head, <laughs> let's just put that, you know, some thoughts out there. Getting to a state of bittal is just thinking about what we know about Hashem, reminding ourselves of the truth. Um, for me personally, I always think about. You know, Hashem is the only power. I have a few lines in my mind that I keep going back to. Hashem is the only power. He's the only one in charge of my needs. Um, a few lines that, and I, and I recommend that. You know, come up with a few lines that remind you that everything in your life, and they should be your own words. That's why I'm not putting out my own words. Um, they should be your own words because that will resonate with you and make a difference to you. And they'll be meaningful to you. Something that reflects Hashem's exclusive power and our utter dependency on Hashem. That kind of helps us get back into a state of battle. And if there's a loophole, if there's a place where you keep slipping, then think about the idea that directly addresses that mud hole. (laughs) Like if you think you're not good enough, then just say, I am, you know, Hashem loves me the way I am, even if I make a mistake, whatever it is, come up with some line, that is the truth that's opposite to the lie that you're tripping on in a place of ego. Okay, so the first thing is fear. The second thing is disempowerment. Our neshama is the source of our empowerment. It's the source of, it's what gives us the power to choose. Our neshama is that place in us that has the truth, that doesn't, that has the power to choose, that is not limited to circumstances and situations and conditions and the past and our habits that, you know, from the place of our body, from the place of our human dimension, we are limited by our circumstances. And by this, I don't mean that our neshama gives us the possibility to fly. You know, we don't have wings, right? Um, nobody should have that illusion that we could fly. Our neshama doesn't make us into someone that we are not. I'm talking about um, in being able to have courage, dignity respectability i'm talking about any emotional quality tolerance acceptance patience love belonging all the all the things of emotional health our or or the ability just to choose our behavior which is a huge 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 deal in our lives because when we feel empowered to choose our behavior we are healthy The, the biggest destruct you know, the most destructive force is when we decide that we just, you know, we're not in charge of our behavior anymore when we surrender that power to other people or to other things, right? So our neshama is that, is that part of us that gives us the power of choice that says no matter what you did yesterday, your brain is wired to do that again. Your body is wired to do that behavior again. But today, your neshama says today, you can make a difference. Today, you could choose. Today, you have the power to show up in any way you want because it, today is undefined uh, according to Hashem. It's a brand new moment and a brand new opportunity to show up in whatever way you want. So our Neshama is the part of us that gives us that, 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 that empowerment. And so if you ever feel disempowered, if you feel um, compelled, that is a sign that it's our ego even when the behavior is a mitzvah it's always a choice we're never compelled the choice to do a mitzvah is obviously very appealing to our neshama but it's still a choice not a compulsion and i'm saying this about a mitzvah because sometimes um, when people feel like they need to do that mitzvah again need to say the bracha again or need to you know um wash negovaster one more time but i didn't wash it perfectly and now i'm going to be tummy the whole day um that that feeling of compulsion is an indicator that we are being driven by ego. Ego says, I can be perfect, therefore, I'm going to try again. So I'm going to, you know, I'm dependent on myself, therefore, I must be perfect. So I'm going I'm to do this again, and this time I'll get it to perfection. Bito says, I'm dependent on Hashem, and all I have to do is sh- give it my best shot, and I will never be perfect, and that's perfectly acceptable to Hashem. We don't have to wash our hands three times. Um, so again, if you're feeling disempowered if from the power of choice, if you're feeling compelled to do anything, whether it's take another drink, whether it's um, sit on that internet website for another minute, um, turning the page of a, of a novel, turning another page of the novel, or even if it's a mitzvah, like washing Negevaser again, or saying a bracha, again, or checking for kashras, again, or toveling, again. It's anytime you're in a state of compulsion, disempowered from the power of choice, it's coming from our ego and not from a place of bittle. And the third thing is joy and courage. In Keheles, we learn, oiz v'chedva joy and courage. courage. Courage and joy are in his place. Wherever, wherever there is kedusha." Wherever there is bittle, there is joy and there is courage. So when we're not feeling joyous and we're not feeling courageous, that's a sign that our Yetzirah, our ego, has hijacked our system. And it's time to get out of there. <laughs> get out of, you know, to where, um, Tzvi Freeman has such a great line. He says, we're all prisoners, but we sit on the keys. We, we tend to become prisoners of our ego. But we sit on the keys, and the reason why why that's such a painful um, reality at times is because the keys, the possibility for change is within our own hands, right? We are the ones who imprison ourselves to limit ourselves to our ego, and we have the ability to change. But we sit on it, meaning we sit on the keys is is an indicator is, an, is a way of saying that it's really, you know, it's hard. It's, it's, it's not so easy to change. But through the, um, all the prakim that we've learned so far, we know that the, uh, the shift into a state of bittal is simply turning on the light of awareness of Hashem's truth, of Hashem's presence. It might mean we need to proactively plug in and recharge our awareness more by learning more about Hashem, learn chayves um shahar um, bitachayn, so many people have shared such incredible transformation from learning that learn more, Tanya. Learn more um, things that give you more awareness of Hashem's presence. And the more we do that, the more easy and then when we're in when we find ourselves in a state of ego, we can just turn on the light of awareness and walk back in. So every time we we build our awareness, it helps that when we slip away from that awareness, it's easier. To get back in. Okay, well, let's go back to the text of Tanya. The Balatanya's example for using things in a way that elevates to, that, you know, that we can elevate to Kedusha, it's so telling because the Balatanya doesn't say, you know, you could eat a bread of, you could eat a piece of bread and water and elevate it to Kedusha. The Balatanya uses very extreme examples, and there's so much beauty in that because it just goes to show us that it's not what we do that matters most it's how we do it it's not so much the behavior it's not what you're eating it's the state of mind that you're in when you eat so the examples that the bala gives are are you know who somebody who eats fat beef not just meat not just chicken but the choicest cuts of meat or somebody who drinks spiced good quality wine okay um these are these are the good stuff of life we're not talking about a piece of bread dipped in salt or you know simple foods we're talking about good fat meat and rich spicy good quality wine when we eat those things oh sorry to broaden our minds to Hashem and His Torah, or to fulfill the mitzvah of Einig Shabbos to enjoy the Shabbos or the Yom Tif. as long as we're aware of that we're doing this for Hashem, so that I will have more um, energy in serving Hashem or in learning His Torah, or this is in honor of Shabbos Kodesh, in honor of the enjoyment Hashem, the Hashem gave us a mitzvah to. Have pleasure to have on Shabbos and on Yom Tif, that elevates the animating food of the, the animating energy of this food or this activity that we're doing is elevated to Hashem literally like a carbon to Hashem, just like a carbon when they when people brought a carbon to Hashem, the energy was elevated to Hashem. It was like you know, they now it was elevated to Hashem. I think, I, I, I don't think I have to <laughs> explain this. It's like, we just took something from a state of um, concealing Hashem's presence to an act that demonstrates um, Hashem's presence in the most meaningful, active manner. And uh, there's a story in the Gemara where Rev Nachman said that he, was able to, he didn't he told his, he told Rava, I didn't explain that halacha very well because it was before I ate meat. And because I ate meat, I was able to um, understand the Torah better. Now we are not, I personally don't understand Torah better after I eat a piece of anything. Um, My eating does not do that for me, but for this tzaddik, it did. And I could, I, I, I think that everybody of every one of us knows that there's a way of eating healthy Health and healthfully um, that gives us energy. And then there's a way of eating mindlessly or destructively that actually takes away our energy. So something so simple as eating, when I drink a cup of water, just thinking about, I'm, I'm actually doing this because I want the energy to be able to serve Hashem with joy. It's such a simple thing to do. We're drinking it anyway. We're drinking the water anyway. You're saying the bracha anyway. We may as well have that intention and when we do we literally elevate the food to a state of holiness and what that means is we actually invite Hashem's presence into our lives we get a cocoon of love from Hashem a cocoon of Hashem's light embracing us Um, the Baal Tani gives more examples somebody who says a joke to sharpen his mind or to gladden his heart for Hashem and his Torah and his Aveda because serving Hashem needs to be done with simcha so a joke could be holy right? But the same activities and the food, when used purely to indulge, the opposite happens. The energy descends. It's no longer klipasnega. It's no longer um, undefined. It's now defined. It now conceals Hashem's presence with a certain sense of finality. It's, it's more concealed than it started out. And our body becomes a vessel and a chariot for these things. And just that just it's helpful to know that that descent if the food was kosher and the activity was not an avera was not something that Hashem put in the category of something that could never be elevated if it's something that is um, permitted by the Torah if it's a food or behavior an activity that is permitted by the Torah that energy the, the minute we say whoops I was unaware of Hashem's presence Hashem and we Apologize to Hashem, we do tshuva, we return to Hashem with our whole heart. We say Hashem, I know the truth, I am dependent on you. When we do that, all that energy um, that's, that was locked in a state of concealment, because it's within us, it is elevated together with us. It returns to a state of expression. now it becomes uh, um, express, an, an, a medium through which Hashem's truth is expressed. Um, by the way, another example that the Balatanya brings is intimacy, the physical pleasure of intimacy. And I think it's so, 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 so fascinating. Like what is the Balatanya talking about? Food and intimacy. Like it's so fascinating to think that although this sayfair was written hundreds of years ago, these two areas of our lives are so relevant. These are such, um, these are such these are areas of our of our lives where the difference between using it with awareness of Hashem or forgetting about Hashem can really make such a profound impact in our lives and we see that in a very physical way in a very practical way okay now there's two aspects of pulling stuff into klipa there's a relate. okay I'm I'm not going here perik Continues to discuss this. It talks about food and idle talk and gossip, lush and hara, chachmas hagayim, and all that. The bottom line of all of that is that any energy that is brought down to a state of concealing Hashem's truth must come up. It will all be elevated. Um, any action that we do is either bringing us, bringing, expressing Hashem's truth or concealing Hashem's truth. And if we are concealing Hashem's truth, that energy needs to be elevated. And there's a discussion in Parakres about various forms of how that energy gets elevated to a state of being expressed, um, expressing Hashem's truth. Um, And I'm going to stop here because um, I want to leave some time for discussion. And Amir Tzachem, next week, we're going to continue with more of... um, I know that today was more technical and next week I'm going to zip through because I feel like a lot of what we're doing in the next, we're about to get to the juiciest parts of Tanya, that battle. And we're going to be learning, you know, practical battle strategies of how to let go of our destructive habits, how to um, develop a real sense of alignment with Hashem's reality. So now let's open up to... um, Discussion. If anyone has questions. Wow, that is such a great question. I'm going to repeat it for the recording. How do I catch myself before I go down the slippery slope of being unaware of Hashem's truth? Because sometimes by the time we catch ourselves, it's already, we're already, you know, <laughs> we're already far, we already are in the forest. Um, how do we catch ourselves by that first thing? So two things, first of all, proactively connecting, proactively building awareness um, is very, very helpful. The visual that I always like to use is location. You know, if I'm walking um, in my neighborhood, right? And I'm familiar with my neighborhood and then I'm walking and I'm not concentrating where I'm walking, what's gonna help me realize when I take, when I go one block out of my neighborhood and next door to my neighborhood is actually, you know, I live next door to uh, not, neighborhood where there's, you know, gunfights and, you know, drugs, drug addicts hanging out on street corners and, you know, lots of not, not good stuff hanging out there. So what's gonna help me when I kind of wander into unchartered or unsafe territory? We need, in order to, to realize right away, we need to have two things. We need to have awareness of what our streets look, what the safe streets look like. And we have to have a lot of awareness about what the dangerous streets look like, and it's the same thing in our avodas Hashem or in in the context of our emotional wellness. We have to have a lot of clarity about what bittul, what surrendering to Hashem's power. What what does uh, being aware of Hashem's power look like in my life? And maybe next week we should talk about that. You know, if everyone could share some personal examples of like. What does my eating look like when I'm aware of Hashem? And what does my eating look like when I'm not aware of Hashem? So once I think about that, you know, I could tell you what it looks like when I'm not aware of Hashem, I'm mindless. I binge. (laughs) I'll eat things that are not healthy for me, right? All those things. So now that I spoke about it, it gave me a little bit of awareness. And now the next time I'm binge eating, I'm gonna be like, oh, whoops. This is one of the things I said, This this is one of the dangerous streets do you hear what I'm saying? So we have to have what it looks like and and what it what the dangerous streets look like. So that when we're, and that's why we spoke about, um, I, I just put out three things and I'm sure if we talk about it more, we could find more. But number one, fear. Whenever you're feeling afraid, we're not in a place of battle. Number two is um, compulsion um, and disempowerment. I kind of put them in the same place. Um, you know, I feel like I have no choice. I feel weak, I feel helpless. I feel like I must do something that's that's a sign that I'm about to slip. Um, or or by by the app, by contrast, when I'm in a state of joy and I'm feeling, you know, the courage to do to hold on to my truth, even when it's uncomfortable. you know that's that's bitter. that's that's what it looks like when we are. But there are so many other ways. And I think that it would be a really good thing. Um, you're really good at this. You're going to come up with some more keys. I know you're going to share it with us, <laughs> right? I hope. Okay. So thank you for asking. Give me the opportunity to clarify. So <clears throat> what does that process look like Of if I did something um, and now I want to go back and repair it, right? I did yeah. something and it was not an expression of Hashem's truth. I was not aware of Hashem at the time of that action. How do I repair that? So we repair that by you know a process of tshuva, by feeling regret, by you know identifying what that was, by feeling <clears throat> regretful, you know, and, and telling Hashem, Hashem, I am sorry, you know, that I and I, I did not, I, I'm sorry that I forgot you. I will and, and making that commitment that in the future we are going to, you know, try with to be conscious of his awareness with greater commitment than with greater strength um that's chuva you know and 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 the sign that we really did chuva fully is that when we're in the same situation we kind of we experience it differently but i really believe that um all of us make mistakes about this every single day um please correct me if anybody thinks that that's not true for you <laughs> um I think because we live in a world that really denies Hashem's truth, and it's really hard to be in a state of awareness, let's remember that our mind can only be focusing on one thing at a time. Our mind can only be focusing on one thing at a time. That means if I'm cooking, I'm going to be focused on my cooking, okay? I forgot, I'm forgot. Right, I'm not right now thinking about Hashem. So I think what we want to try to do is like create moments in our day. And really Yiddish Guide is built this way. There's a morning prayer. There's an afternoon prayer. There's an evening prayer. There's a mezuzah on the door. Every time we walk into the door, we notice it. There's a blessing before we eat. There's a blessing after we eat. You give charity before you start cooking. You thank Hashem. You know what I mean? There's so many Torah observance, halacha, Jewish law is built to support awareness of Hashem. But still, even with that support, it's possible. And nobody should walk away from this session feeling bad about themselves for losing awareness and for slipping away from Hashem's truth, because this is the nature of life. And the truth is that if we never slipped away, we would never have the opportunity to come back to that place of awareness. And the purpose of our lives is to come back to a place of awareness, a tzaddik, somebody who is perfectly aware all times and all places and all situations has a whole different service of Hashem. A tzaddik is not not doing this kind of work that we're doing, which is exposing Hashem's truth in the very space where it's possible for him to be hidden. So if we never slipped up and if we never had the possibility, if if we could become a tzaddik, then we're out of the game. This whole safer is not for us. This safer is how to serve Hashem how every you know how the typical Jew could serve Hashem this is a safer how the typical person could become emotionally healthy for a person who never struggles they're out of the game they're they're not in this game they're 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 done and they and by being out of the game they're not contributing to the purpose of of the world of of the world's creation which is to transform the place of concealment into a place of Hashem's truth, uh, of a, a place that expresses Hashem's truth. So fear of Hashem is very different from fear of punishment. Fear of punishment, it's, it's total ego. <laughs> Only our ego cares about punishment, right? Because it's uncomfortable. Fear of Hashem is, fear of Hashem is, I don't want to be disconnected from Hashem. It's our ego that's worried about it right now. <laughs> Our neshama trusts our connection with Hashem and trusts Hashem. Our ego doesn't want to think of ourselves as somebody who might be uh, have to go undergo a purification process in the next world. Our neshama cares about now. Our neshama wants to shine right now. Our neshama trusts our connection with Hashem. Anytime we're in a place of fear, it's our ego. What about Yerashamayim? Fear of heaven. Fear of heaven. Fear of Hashem's presence like that that to me is translated as awe and that comes with love that when you you know there are certain truths that you know a truth is never one end of the stick really every idea it's not one end of the stick when you pick up one end you're always picking up you know the whole string that comes along with it so when you pick up Hashem's truth you also pick up his love you also pick up his goodness his kindness his tolerance his appreciation of us his his awareness of the challenges that we face you know his 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 embrace of us you also pick up our goodness our worthiness our empowerment so if you're in the place of truth it's never going to be you fear hashem as you know only one corner of hashem's truth you got to be in the full space of hashem's truth for it to be hashem's truth actually in the upgrade to awesome workshop we're going to be talking about this um not next week but maybe the week after in the book i talk about you know you're either in the you know the the what's it called that cycle of disempowerment the vicious cycle of disempowerment or the vicious or you know or the energizing cycle of 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 hashem's truth in hashem's truth it's hashem is the only power he empowers us and it's all for a purpose you know there's a few ideas that have to come along with that truth so if you're only focused on one idea and you and you don't have the perspective that you get from the other ideas about hashem's truth then that's 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 also our ego because our, our ego only cares about that it doesn't care about the other things our, our ego doesn't doesn't have awareness of hashem's empowerment of us or hashem's love for us by definition mm-hmm. our ego is something a part of us that that is invented out of our unawareness of Hashem. All right, my dear friends, thank you so much for joining. I want to wish you a wonderful, happy, sweet Shabbos and and good health. And we can all merit Hashem's completely revealed presence with the coming of Mashiach. I look forward to meeting all of you in person.